Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. How is everybody? Mm, it's been quite a busy week the last few days. We were traveling around um, a little bit here and there, seeing some family, seeing some friends, you know, all the COVID stuff is over, everybody's negative, and yeah, uh, basically I've just been reeling down the adrenaline from the Jose Gonzalez concert. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the last episode, like just sharing some clips that uh, my friend Kati sent me of our performance. Um, yeah, I'm just, again, so thankful for that. Um, there's two guys named Ralph <laughs> who who were in charge of me being there and this guy Tan. Um, thanks to Marcus, you know, for being such a great um, partner there. He played so well and he took it so seriously, which is really great. And, um, yeah, thanks to Jose for, you know, I don't know if he had any say in the approval, but, you know, he was really cool. And I just really hope that I can do more shows like that. I really enjoyed playing to a thousand people. I mean, who, you know, if that's like your thing, who, you know, then that's your thing. Then who wouldn't want to go and do that? You know what I mean? Like, if your thing is to play for crowds, then a thousand people is a perfect crowd. I was having that thought to not too long after the concert where I thought, you know, I I don't have some crazy big goal of achieving something on the levels of um, like Ed Sheeran or Louis Capaldi or Justin Bieber. Um, Not to just name three white dudes, but (laughs) I don't have the same goal. I don't have, I'm, I'm not goal oriented in the way that like, I need to sell stadiums. Like that's not... I don't think that's a reality at all. And I think if I were to have that goal, I would just always be sort of living um, a disappointment in a way. Um, But my goal would to be to get to a level like Jose is, for example, like he's able to travel to different countries um, around the world and have enough of a following in these different countries that he can travel there and play, you know, three, four cities and, uh, and even in a city like Munich, which can, you know, it can be behind on things, uh, even to go there and play a thousand people, it's pretty great. You know, he sold his ticket for like 48 euros, uh, which is steep. You know, I don't know if I would ever really want to charge that much. <laughs> I don't know if I could stomach it. Uh, it's just so much to ask. Um, but then again, if you go see like the big leagues, if you, you know, if you go to see someone like Coldplay or Ed Sheeran or... Um, I don't know. My mom loves um, Michael Bublé. I'm sure those tickets aren't under 50 euros or 50 bucks. So um, then I, I guess if I got to that level, I'd have to just deal with that. I'm sure that's okay. <laughs> um, you know, you got to make a living. But uh, I, 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 what I'm trying to say is I, I could imagine getting to that level where I'm playing thousand people venues. I would be totally happy with that. Theaters, um, you know, larger sized open venues, open air 
venues, festivals. That's that's my jam. Like that's where the good like you can make a good living there. You're not so extremely famous that you can't walk down the street or something. Um, you know, you can just still live a comfortable life and provide and um, be cozy and be doing what you want to do. So that's kind of the goal, really, for me. Um, yeah, actually, um, today's going to be a very special episode because um, I mentioned in the last episode at the beginning on that walk that there is potentially something happening with 12 songs with 12 songs for 12 friends, my 2018 album. Um, and there's sort of an update going on. So we are moving forward as of now. We are, you know, hashing out some issues in the agreement. Um, you know, he wants like, he wants a certain percentage of the master rights of this album indefinitely, which is a hard pill to swallow, but then I have to look at the reality of, hey, you know, it's been four years, this album hasn't done what you wanted, maybe this is the sacrifice that's worth making in order to see it go somewhere else and see it through. So um, that's one of the the things that we have to wor- work out, and there's also like the certain things with distribution, but <clears throat> like basically, in general, I think this is going to work, I think this is going to happen. Um, that this n- new Swedish record label is going to pick up 12 songs for 12 friends. And so for people, I talked about it a little bit on the last episode, but basically what that means is that it's not going to be a reissue. It won't be like a new, like a brand new release, like it never happened. Um, but what we will do most likely is take some of these songs like James and put them onto freshly compiled playlists or um, like album compilations, like a labels compilation would be like one song from this band, one song from that band, one song from me. And you can pitch these compilations fresh and new to playlists and third parties like that. So they could take these older songs and give them some new life in that way. And also the plan would be that I record a new live EP So then you're also saying, I'm going to take a song again like James and get it recorded properly, you know, quote unquote live, um, because I would probably film it. So you have a video too, and like breathe some new life into these older songs. I'm a better musician now. I sing a little bit stronger. Uh, I sing a little deeper now. Um, I think playing James at the Mufad Halle was like the best I've ever played it. Um, and I don't even like to talk that way, but I just think it's just true. You know, you just need more years to get better at what you practice at. So, um, we would probably also record some of these songs live, create a new product, like a live EP, uh, four or five of these songs and re-release like, or just release that in addition to making the compilations. Cause then you've got two different pathways into getting new listeners and new attention uh, to these songs. And, you know, including people that already know me and my music going to these going, oh, he's got like a new live version of, you know, let's, I don't know, uh, Eye to Eye or something like some song you like. Um, There's a chance I'll be doing it fresh. So it could be very cool. We just have to hash out some details. We have to, you know, make some sacrifices, make a written agreement, but it looks really good. It looks really promising. So what I wanted to do today to make today's episode special was I would like to 
go through this old album, 12 Songs for 12 Friends, as it stands today, still currently owned, operated, distributed, performed, and published. Well, not performed 100%, but everything else 100% by me, Jordan Prince. Um, I'm going to get into the performers on this. I'm going to get into the engineer on this, um, the stories around it. You know, I want to talk about, I want to talk about this album because to be looking at it through a different, through a different lens these days, um, has rekindled a lot of passion that I had for this album in terms of like the history around it, um, the way that we did it, what the stories and the people behind the songs, just the whole feeling around it and how special it is for me and how special it, uh, you know, it remains to me. And I think it's just cool to look at it in a fresh way, break it down and talk about it a little bit. This would be a perfect, um, episode to have had Mo on because I think he does ask really good questions. But um, right now, I'm not certain when we're going to get him back. I always keep saying, yeah, maybe next week, but he's just a really busy guy. And we haven't been talking so much recently. There's no animosity or anything wrong. We're just busy. You know, we have our own things going on. So I miss him. And if he does hear this, I hope to have you back on soon. Um, But let's take a look at 12 Songs for 12 Friends by Jordan Prince, released Uh, I believe it was May 25th, oh no, May 18th, 2018, I think, and the release concert was May 25th, I'm pretty sure that's right. Uh, It came out in May 2018, 15 tracks, including uh, what was my idea, and I'm really proud of it, was these, um, there's three tracks that are the voices of the actual people that the songs are about. Uh, there's introduction, which I, I love when an album has an introduction, and it's literally just this clip of, of my friend George, who is the inspiration for the song My Little Bear, um, talking, saying this expression that was like his and mine, uh, like our inside joke. Um, when we played together in this band, I don't know if actually, let me show you what this sounds like, and then I can tell you what it means. Jojo, just dropping by to say, always remember to flip it, reverse it, spin it, kick it, put it in the show. Okay, I had to stop it right there before the next song starts. So he says, kick it, flip it. Always remember to flip it. Reverse it, spin it, kick it, put it in the show. Um, So that was always our inside joke because when we played in this band, Big Lemois, um, we would always play around with so many different weird sound effects and and pedals. And, you know, that band takes an enormous amount of inspiration, almost thievery, (laughs) from Radiohead. And we always really wanted to be like in the shadow of Radiohead and, and, and try and follow in their footsteps and try different things like them. And so we would take like our vocals and put them through pedals and go like, like crazy things and make it just try and find new weird sounds that we can incorporate into the music to make it 
sort of special or different. And that sort of became the joke that we would, I think it was me and just me and George alone started this and then it spread out to the rest of the band. But it was like, um, let's, you know, like for the sake of just being weird, taking something like, I don't know, anything like the sound of a bottle smashing on the ground. And like, we could just take it and like flip it and like reverse it and like add reverb and then delay and then echo and then you put it in the show, you know? Uh, so that's where that stems from. But I also thought it's a really great way to kick off this album because it's kind of vague, but also impact, like it's also energetic. You're also hearing something like, Hey, I just wanted to say like, go do it, like go put it, you know, flip it, kick it, put it in the show. Uh, and I thought that was such a perfect way. I didn't want to incorporate that phrase of his into the, um, into the other instrumental tracks. There's two, there's Cruise Street, which this is also, this show shows you absolutely how deeply personal this album, uh, is to me, like even the instrument, so the, in even the instrumental tracks, where you hear the other voices, like on the album Cruise Street, um, you will hear uh, my friend James Kelly, Shannon Little, Cody Hopper, Todd Gurley. These are the people from, I would say, like the first chapter of my past uh, in terms of my friend group. Um, Cody Hopper was my, you know, longtime best friend. This I'm going to get into all that later, uh, but basically... Cruise Street was the first chapter of Friends, and Lakeshore Drive um, was the other one. And uh, I, the reason I still like these titles is because Cruise Street was the street in downtown Corinth where I grew up, where um, Cruise Street is the street that had the record store, Top Shelf Records, where me and all these people would hang out all the time. And Lakeshore Drive is the address street of where the University of New Orleans is in New Orleans on Lakeshore Drive. Um, and that's where the school was. And that's where I met all the other people in this, you know, you've got like Bruno, Doria, Matt Martinez, um, Vivi, all these people. So you can also hear them talking in that one. Uh, Ify, of course. So I didn't want to put George into the Lakeshore Drive one because it was such a nice isolated clip. And uh, I thought it was a perfect way to kick off the album. So we start with that, and it goes straight into Stars, which is really the first track on the album, which kicks off with a big bang. Uh, so Stars is the song about Matthew Paul Martinez. Matt Martinez um, is such an interesting guy, such a good friend. I miss him a lot. I miss him like all the time. I feel like every time I go visit New Orleans, a little part of him has changed and grown, which I think that's probably normal for everybody. Like a little part of him has changed and grown, but then a little part of him is always the same, like just for me. Like I see this little twinkle in his eye or like this little way he moves his mouth or this way that he responds to something. And it feels like it's just his, his physicality telling me that it's still there for me. And like, it's, I don't know, like this, it, that, like that, his love will always be like, I don't know if it makes any sense. It's just like, I see this part of him that's always been there 
through the new things. Um, and that's, I think that's the best is when you have a friend who you do see being shaped and molded by their future, uh, or by their past, I guess to say, but that there's still like this core thing of like who they are and who they are to you. And that stays the same. And that's so important for long lasting friendships. Although we don't talk so much these days because I moved. Um, and this was also kind of a really hard thing with this album was I moved at the end of 2015 so 2016 was just a year of getting my bearings, felt very like loose and, and, and flimsy. You know, my, my being here didn't feel too real yet. 2017 was this year where like I had written all these songs. I was missing my friends a lot and I was putting all my effort into like, like longing for them on stage, creating all these reasons to think about them and write about them and talk about them. And it became that I had all all these songs and it became like, now I need to do, like I should make this into an album. Um, but yeah, that's, that's for later actually, because um, there's a particular song on this album that I had to write in order to fit onto the album. Uh, and I remember like, I remember uh, crowdfund, trying to crowdfund this record in the beginning through with a company from Berlin that wanted to help me crowdfund it, but uh, it was kind of like, um, what, like, what do you call it? Uh, go, it was like GoFundMe, but it was a private company based in Berlin, and I don't remember how I met them, but it didn't work out, obviously. Um, but we still got the album, so that's great. Uh, so Stars is the song uh, about Matt Martinez. And let me go here to the song lyrics. We can talk about that a little bit here. So here's how stars goes. Um, my God, you're growing up so fast. I can barely keep up with you. And now you've got a, now you've got yourself a son on your lap. And my heart was swelling up with the news. I'm so proud of you. Let me throw my arms around your neck. I tear up when I reflect on all the love you show. My brother, I've seen your worst. Burning eyes keep pushing sleep away. Now you've turned yourself into a man. Burning stars keep all the darkness at bay. And I'm so proud of you. Let me throw my arms around your neck. I tear up when I reflect on all the love you show. Oh, Matthew. Um, you know, this came, this song basically came out of a place of uh, Matt had gotten his girlfriend Jenna pregnant on a, when they were on a Europe trip. Um, I think they, I think they traveled through in 2015. I think it was the year, uh, it was like the same month that I came to Munich, like for good. Um, I think like a few weeks after I moved here, they visited. And in that year, I was actually playing Ify's Brothers Rock Festival in the south of Germany called Grubengrooves. Um, they haven't had it for a couple of years now, I think. Um, because of the pandemic, but uh, I was booked to play there. So I was like, oh, great, you guys are coming. Um, well, we didn't know they were pregnant yet. So you know, they were just doing a tour <laughs> and they were going to Portugal and Italy and other places. And they came to Germany to see me and, and Ify. And then they, we went to, the, to the, the festival together. Jenna played, she's a very talented singer and, and musician. And she played piano in my band. Uh, and uh, Mo, our very own Mo Bat, played bass. There's one video on my YouTube of us playing together at Group and Grooves. 
and um, Tim Hecking, who's also a huge part of this record and everything else I do, uh, played drums on that concert. So it was a really funny sort of makeshift band, you know, all kind of pushed together to make something work. Um, And it was a lot of fun. And we did that concert and Matt that year won, (laughs) he won like a, it it was supposed to be like a poetry battle, like all right, the prize was a three-liter bottle of Encyon, this uh, Bavarian schnapps. It's like a really strong, clear liquor that they make from the root of this Encyon flower here in the in the south of Germany, and it's really popular in her hometown. And if you, uh, if whoever won the poetry, like the, the like a love letter to Encyon, would win. But Matt is a very talented rapper. You can see both of us rapping on um, a couple of different videos on my YouTube, <laughs> um, but we we dropped um, uh, no 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 he sorry he dropped a rap about Encyon that was like two pages long and was so cool and so intense and he was so brave and so badass on stage and so confident and he even though most of those Germans probably didn't understand what he was saying because it was so fast and stuff he won them over and he won the bottle like no problem like no competition he blew them out of the water so we're at this festival Jenna played with me Matt won this huge bottle he's going around to the crowd pouring this huge I mean it's an enormous like I don't know three liters I I think it's like a couple of gallons or maybe a gallon but just like pouring all this liquor into people's mouths and him and Jenna are just like choking and choking and choking. And it's so crazy. And Matt and I are like trashing the backstage and it's such a mess. Everything's so crazy. And pretty quickly, not too long after that, we found out they had gotten pregnant in Portugal just before they came to Germany. So they were pregnant and drinking like fish. But uh, everything's absolutely fine. uh, And it didn't matter at all. Everything was cool. Um, but it was just a funny, like, oh my God moment. And this song came from the fact that like they had gotten pregnant and the following January, I guess, yeah, the following January, they got married on New Year's Day. So I traveled into, uh, back to New Orleans that following January, I performed at their wedding and I I sang, um... Uh, I think it's a Todd Lundgren song. Like, it was late last night, and I knew that something wasn't right. There was not another soul inside. Only you, only you. Um, oh, uh, what's the name? Uh, it's, it doesn't matter. Anyway, I sang that song. Um, oh, when I see the light in your eyes. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) I sang it at their wedding, Jordan, come on now, and they were having a kid, and Matt was growing up, and like the next time I visited, they had moved into a house together, and now he was married, he was the first one in the group who was married, well, that's not true, but he was the first one of like the, the immature idiots like me who got married, and then he was having a kid, and he was like this, he was putting his career on hold, he was taking care of his son, He just was like, so he was maturing despite like he and I have such like such the same flaws. Like we both have addictive behavior. We both make bad decisions and we both, I don't know, lean into bad habits and we can be so immature and so stupid. But then also we like can share such an intense, overwhelming amount of love for people. And he was just dumping all this love into his son and 
when I came back to visit and I saw like, oh my God, he's grown up. Like he replaced, you know, these burning red eyes, you know, for being up for like 24 hours into burning stars that like, you know, this powerful star in the sky that pushed all this darkness away from his life and so proud. And um, what, I, what I really love, my favorite part about this song is um, finally at the end of the last chorus, I'm saying like, let me throw my arms around your neck. I tear up when I reflect on all the love you show. And when I like exclaim his name, like, oh, Matthew, um, this guitarist that we hired for the album, his name is Avi. Um, he just went into this unbelievable solo. I have to just show you. It's so cool. Oh, no. Here we go. And he just rips that song in half. Like what a insanely, like what a melodic guitar solo. I, that's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite moments on the whole album. And I think it's also a perfect song to, to introduce the record because it's so, it's like this, this album is about love. It's about these people. It's about friendship and, and life-changing events and, and people getting older and people growing apart. And it's, it's about life. And you know life can be so beautiful, and 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 this song is just the I think was the you know I I had the idea to start the record off with this song while in the studio. We had recorded a few songs. This one came around, and before before I even had the woodwinds, like this song, pretty much thrives on the woodwinds, like the clarinets and the flutes and stuff until the solo at the end. There's the two like most shining instruments, I think. And we didn't even have the woodwinds yet. We just had the bass and the guitar and the drums. And it has this like, bum, 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 bum. And just starts off this big positive thing. And I knew I was, I looked over at my friend Jake who worked on the album as the bass player. And I was like, man, I'm, we got to start the album off with this one. This has got to be it. So, um, very happy with how that one turned out. And, um, I don't remember the order. The only songs, I, I remember the last one that I wrote for the album, and I remember the first one that I wrote for the album, and I remember the first one that we recorded for the album, but I don't remember the order of anything else. The very first one that was written for this album that was the inspiration for the whole album was actually James. I wrote that in my parents' house in Counts, Tennessee. Pretty crazy. And... I, which means they've been there for a oh man, time just flies by. Um, and the last one that I wrote for this album was number six, High School, High School, <laughs> uh, about my friend Shannon. I needed a song about her and I needed another song for the record. And I don't know how this, I don't know, have, I don't have any idea how that song came to be. 
because it feels like so complex to me when I look at it just from a, like it's a pretty complicated guitar part. And then the whole song shifts into a completely different genre towards the end. So I don't know how that song came alive, but uh, I'm, (laughs) it's anyway, we have a long way to go here. Um, So up next, so the, so stars, this big, bold, loud song ends and it flows right into a saucy little calm, magical little jazz number called My Little Bear. So My Little Bear, I mean, this uh, lap steel guitar is the shining bright white light on this song. It, it really carries the whole song all the way through. It's really amazing what my, what Luke uh, Goetze did with this. Um, so My Little Bear, um, another favorite of mine because it's so unlike anything I've ever had the opportunity to record before. My Little Bear is this, it's, you know, I never expected it to be so jazzy. There is on my SoundCloud from a long time ago, from like 2016, there's a song on my SoundCloud. It might even be privated, but I don't know, maybe maybe not. And it's the original version of My Little Bear. I don't know if any of you guys ever really heard it. I didn't promote it too much at all, but it, um, it was, yeah, the original version was done. Um, I, so I had, I had written James already and, I had the idea, okay, I'm going to do 12 songs for 12 friends. And in 2016, which is funny because I was still very much an, an, a newcomer in, in the Munich music scene, uh, there was this film director from the, um, we say the HFF, the HFF, which is the, the film school here in Munich. Uh, a student at the HFF reached out to me and asked if I'd be interested that if they make a little like mini documentary about me, which is unbelievable since I had accomplished absolutely fucking nothing. I hadn't done anything. I had nothing. I had one EP that I had put out. I had the parade EP and, but it didn't even do well and I wasn't even touring. So I don't know why they picked, they picked me. I don't know, but I thought this is going to look great. I can send this to people at home and it could look like I'm really doing business here, you know? And, um, I said, sure. It's this guy named, named David, David. And he was, he's a very sweet guy. Sometimes I still see him around, but you know, not so often, but he's a very, very nice guy. And we basically made the plan. Like, what's the story of the documentary? What's the goal? And I was like, well, you know, I'm working on a song for, I'm working on a song for a friend. Maybe we could make it like about that and about this, this journey of making this album. And so we, we figured everything out. Basically, I wrote this original version of My Little Bear for the documentary. I had to finish it. I had to show it to him. He had to, uh, you know, I assume he had to like it before we film it. And he did, thankfully. And I, I played it in this very weird tuning. I don't know why or how I was in this strange tuning, but I played everything different from normal. And I wrote these weird uh, chords and it was very fast and um, it's a completely different, I wonder if I still have it. It's a completely different song from the one that is on this record. And let me see. Oh, I'm not even signed in here. Never mind. Never mind. So uh, let me go back to the lyrics. 
Yeah, I had written this original version. So he went and he followed me writing it in my apartment, the the other apartment I lived in before before the one that I'm in now. Um, and he came with me to Tim's studio and filmed us recording it in the studio. And yeah, I, I never, I have the file somewhere on a jump drive, but I never shared it. I have nothing against it. I think it, it, maybe it's a little, it comes off a little too serious at times. Like I'm not that serious of a person. I can be, um, but this documentary comes off very serious. It's, it's black and white. It's called Behind Closed Eyes. And I don't know, it just didn't like give off the, it didn't really feel like me at the end, which is funny because it's a documentary. Uh, it's not bad. And I'm grateful grateful for the experience and, and everything. Uh, and it's still nice. It just, you know, it wasn't really like me. So uh, that's why I never really posted anything about it. Um, but anyway, so that's the original version. So then here we are. We come down to 2017. I'm recording this album, 12 Songs for 12 Friends. We come across My Little Bear, and I'm completely underprepared. I'm not sure... Do we want to copy and paste the same exact style of this song into the project file of this one? Like, just say, okay, here's the same tempo. Let's find the same chords and just do it. Uh, and I felt a little bit like Joni Mitchell not uh, in, in the way that I was the least prepared one because there's a lot of famous stories of her. Like, for example, she showed up on the, set, on the stage of The Last Waltz with uh, the band and Levon Helm and then would be like, okay, let's play your song. What key is it in? And she'd say, I don't know. I, I just play these tunings. Like she would play with all these weird tunings and, and play guitar by ear, which is like me. And they would get so mad because she couldn't say, oh, it's uh, A sharp. And then it's into D sharp into like, you know, E flat minor or whatever. Like she didn't know. And I rarely know that stuff uh, unless I'm playing in standard and I really look at what I'm playing. Um, so I felt like her because, and I got so frustrated. It was maybe the most, the most frustrating song to write on the whole album. I got, I felt insecure. I felt stupid. I got angry. I stormed out of the room. I sat on the sofa in the lobby. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I don't belong here. This is not where I'm supposed to be. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. I was in a room with all these like music school kids. Like, you know, this is nothing to Vivi. She was definitely the least uh, in invasive one, but like she had gone to Juilliard and like my, the drummer Nick was a very well-studied, you know, New Orleans jazz drummer. And then we had Jake who went to the Liverpool School of Performing Arts. And you had all these just music nerds in there talking about A flat minor diminished with a nine, blah, 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 blah. And there I was like, I don't know what to play. So we had to like transpose the song into standard tuning and we found like, okay, if I put the capo there and I play like this, then it looks like this. And we finally shaped it into what you hear on the final record. But it, man, you know, all these guys like, you know, measuring their dicks at the table of how much they know about jazz music theory and stuff. It drove me crazy. It really drove me crazy. And I really thought, I don't want to do this song anymore. I don't want to be here anymore. Like if it's, if it's my song and I don't understand what's going on enough and getting this frustrated that no one can simplify it, then maybe we shouldn't do it. But thankfully in the end, we made it work and um, it ended up sounding great actually. Um, in the end, Nick Solnick uh, played some of the most beautiful drums, 
on the whole album on this song, he also um, had the suggestion that I, at the very, very end, do this particular singing note. That was Nick's idea, this eyes closed, that last little deep. I think I think originally I had just done like, with your eyes closed. And he was like, no, 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 it's jazz. Come on, do with your eyes closed. <laughs> I felt like Chet Baker or something. Um, yeah, so very difficult, very complicated song to write um, or to transpose into what it became. But the groove was great. The soul was in there. And the lyrics, you know, they're so innocent, but um, it was like, my little bear, head in the air, when all the doubt has left your snout, I'll nuzzle next to prayer. Um, like, that's just meaning, because George can, George can be very insecure, and he's so extremely talented. So this is kind of like saying, like, the day that you're confident is the day that, like, my prayers have been answered, you know? Um, my little bird, whose songs I've heard, your vocal fountain shakes the mountain each and every word. Uh, my little pup, please don't give up. Let's go and play. The rest can wait. Let's try to fill our cup. Like filling your cup is like an expression for let's go, you know, carpe diem, you know. Uh, my little stone, how far you've been thrown and where you land till death you'll stand. Your fate becomes your own. That might be my favorite line in the song. Um, it has the most sort of poetic, um, I don't know, phrasings to it. Like you can make whatever you need in your life to make sense out of that. Um but I, I like the idea of that once a stone has been thrown somewhere, usually that's where that stone is for like a thousand years. You know, if you're in the ocean and you pick up a rock and you throw it like, you know, two meters over and it falls, that rock is probably not going to be touched or moved for like uh, forever, maybe forever again. So I like the idea of like this little stone that's how far they've been thrown and where they land until death they'll stand. Your fate becomes your own, you know? Um, so that's the, into the first chorus. And then... Um, what I'm describing, all these things like bear, bird, pup, stone, are all these things that are outside. So I thought when I'm when I'm outside, I see these things and I think of you. So it says, I'm so happy to be outside with you where you'll always be when it's you I need because George doesn't live here with me. I don't live in New Orleans anymore. So if I think about him being all these things that I see outside, then whenever I'm outside, I'll always be with him. That was the message. Uh, my little boat, keeping me afloat, sturdy and small, mast holding strong, we're sailing note to note, sailing note to note, because, you know, he's such a good musician, we had this band together, he's the strong, powerful sail, his voice carrying us through the songs. Uh, my humble friend, I do pretend that you're here with me, undoubtedly tying knots in my loose ends. I'm also really happy with that one. Um, he is a very humble friend, and um, at the time I'd did like try to sort of pretend that he was there with me. Um, and I like the expression tying knots in my loose ends, um, sort of just like solving my problems. Um, and that's, you know, goes back to, I'm so happy to be outside with you where you'll always be where it's you I need or when it's you I need. My little bear with all your hair, please sing for me another song with your eyes closed. So, you know, George is, um, he's Nicaraguan. And um, his family's from there, and he was born in Miami, and he's, he's or he's, well, he's, he's Nicaraguan, whatever. And he's just got, like, the thickest mop of, like, dark, luscious brown hair. Um, it's so beautiful, and um, I, I would always run my fingers through it. He's such a, like, a sweet, 
fun, humble guy. And you could always just be like, George, your hair looks great. And like, just pet him kind of. And he, he's like Robin Williams, like his forearms and his hands are just covered in thick black hair and his chest. And he's so funny. He's just like this, I don't know. I don't want to like de- demasculate him or anything. Like he's just this kind of like small guy, but he's so hairy. He's just like my little bear, you know? So that's how we, that's the story of uh, that song. Uh, I'll do a little bit more. I guess we'll have to make this into more parts. Um, but up next is basically the, what do you call it? Like the foundational, like this, the staple, the like, what's the best way to describe this? Like the stronghold, foundational, waving flag, textbook, like home base purpose song of the album is obviously this one. James, are you smiling? Are you smiling at me? Um, yeah, I mean, it's almost hard for me to hear the way that I'm singing that now compared to how I sung it at that concert, but, um, you know, it's still, it's still got its charm, but James, yeah, James was the very first song. I wrote that at my parents' house in Tennessee. Um, part of me like hated playing it for a while. It, it ended up being the ones that the Germans migrated to the most. Let me look here. I think it, I think it's the one with the most streams. Yeah. It's the one, it's the highest streamed song of the album. Um, you know, it's whatever. Oh no, it was released May 25th. It was released May 25th and the release concert must've been May 31st that year. Yeah. Anyway, not important. Um, right. So James was like the centerpiece song of the album and was the first one that I did. And I didn't like playing it for a long time. We played it at, you know, 2017, we played a lot of shows, a lot of festivals. That year, I really thought I was about to break through and like be a famous musician, honestly. We played so many amazing festivals that year. And I really thought, I've got it now, and this is it, and this is how I always want to live my life. Or, I mean, I, that's not what I mean. Like, I thought that was how it was going to be. I still want to do that. <laughs> uh, that didn't change, but it, you know, I just didn't, it didn't last. And we were playing so many shows. And I played that song so many times. And then even into 2018, uh, you know, the album came out. We had a great release concert. Um, People sang along to the song. People knew the song James enough by that point that when we got to the release concert, they sang along, which is really crazy. You know, that gives you this impression that you're really like about to break through when people are singing your song at your concert. It's crazy. So yeah, then you know, we didn't tour so much the rest of that year. We played a few shows. 2019 came around. We had another big show in February of that year. And then that basically was like the beginning of a huge break for me. Uh, And I didn't play James from that concert in February 2019 until the show on October 11th, 2022. So a huge time away from it, and I think I needed that break because I, I sort of rekindled a new love for it, um, but for playing it, not for listening to it. Um, I, you know, honestly, if I were to re-release this album, what I would do is I would change the order of the songs. I would probably put James 
lower on the list. I'm trying to think of like where would be a good spot for James. Maybe lower on the album, like after Great Big Light or something, because My Little Bear is almost five minutes long and it's a little slow. It's like a little, it's, it's a ballad. It's a jazz ballad. And then you get to James, which is also a ballad, but it's a rock ballad. And it's just, you know, it's not five minutes, but it's over four minutes. And it's, you know, I think it's the beginning of the album is a little slow there until you get to the fifth song, which is Tame Impala Nights, which really kicks everything back up into the, into eighth gear. But anyway, um, James, you know, let's look at the lyrics for that. That's also, James for me is a song that... Um, I had to learn to love the lyrics for this song because when I wrote them, I'm surprised that I kept them because that doesn't really, for me, it doesn't really sound like me because it's so repeatable and so simple. I mean, this sounds, I don't want it to sound like, like I'm shitty. Like it just doesn't sound like what I think I sound like. It sounds like I'm singing someone else's song. Um, cause usually I try to say like full sentences. I don't know if that makes sense. Like my humble friend, well, I do pretend that you're here with me undoubtedly tying knots in my loose ends. You know, it has like a nice rhyme pattern. It has like three different rhymes in it and it's still a sentence and it still makes sense. And James is so like, are you smiling? Are you smiling at me? Are you crying? Are you trying to sleep? Are you driving? Have you had too much to drink? Keep on writing. You've got too much to sing. I know I was a heavy burden on your soul, but James, please know you'll always be my rock and roll. And you know, like being someone's rock and roll, it sounds cool. It sounds like a like a Rolling Stones line or something, but I don't know. I had to learn to appreciate the lyrics because it wasn't, they weren't strong in my opinion. James, are you playing? Are you playing with me? James, are you praying? Are you chasing your dreams? I know I was a heavy burden on your soul, but James, please know you'll always be my rock and roll. James, you were shaking, shaking up everything. James, you were angry, but you were always so sweet. And then I know I was a heavy burden on your soul, but James, please know you'll always be my rock and roll. So yeah, really, really, really simple, easy to repeat. Maybe that's why this is the most streamed song because, you know, you always know the verse is going to start off with the name James. You, you know, you always know the, the chorus is going to end with the the phrase rock and roll. So Maybe James just has to be what James is, you know, and playing it at that concert last week, I I definitely rekindled sort of a fresh respect for it and what, how it makes people feel. And I have to, I have to, um, yeah, I have to respect that. I have to appreciate that. Um, Let me see how we are on time. I'll do one more. And then I got to wrap up here. Um, but next up is Tame Impala Nights, which uh, in terms of just like catchy and fun, this might be, I'm really proud of the melody in this song. Remember when we all used to take those hits to the door And we all piled into your ride And we left Like, that's my most Beatles-y song. Definitely, definitely, definitely my most Beatles-y song. That's 100% inspired by the Beatles. Definitely. Um, I'm really happy with how that song came out. It's a, it's a song where it's really fun to play with a rock band, nice and fast, like this on the record. It's also a really great song um, to play slowed down on an acoustic because it has such a nice melody and 
uh, cool chord changes. And I'm really, I'm really proud of this song. And, um, it basically is like, it's about my friend, Matt Bigelow. And the, the lyrics are so straight on the nose, but it's really fun for me. Um, Hey, you know, it's like, remember when we all used to take those hits to the dome? We smoked a little bit of the ganja back in college, you know? So it's like, hey, remember when we used to do that and we'd all get in your car? Well, I can just say the lyric. Like, remember when we all used to take those hits to the dome and we all piled into your ride and we laughed content and fried? Remember when we all used to jam all night at the house? Didn't matter how small the space. I can still clearly see your face when we found that riff, that sweet motif that pulled it all together. It was always now or never. And I hope that you're not mad because you got to understand that I miss you. That's specifically talking about, I hope that you're not mad that I left the band and moved because you have to understand that I miss you. I miss you. I miss you every day. Remember when we all used to jump and scream at the shows and your bass was fat and low, but your smile, oh man, it glows. I wish I could have had just one more day in your car, just another ticket to ride. That's my homage to the Beatles, ticket to ride. Uh, Just another ticket to ride, just another Tame Impala night. Um, so Tame Impala Nights, Tame Impala Night, that's always referring to, you know, maybe this is more for my mom to get it. There's a, there's a band called Tame Impala, um, that we all were obsessed, religiously obsessed with in college. I mean, they're still a great band, um, but they had a, like an album or two that came out during the college years that just took over our world. And that's what we would do. We would, you know, play concerts and then get in the car and go hang out at his house and just listen to Tame Impala super loud in the car. And that was like a lot of great memories of mine are just being in his car listening to music. Uh, Selfless man, you are my friend. I would do whatever you needed. From my heart, I will repeat it. And I hope that you're doing fine. You and your wife are on my mind. That's a shout out to his wife, um, Pats, who's actually Vivi's cousin. Uh, Because I miss you, yes, I miss you, I miss you every day. And the bridge, it's hard to say goodbye, and the distance just makes me want to die. But I hope somewhere that you're staying high. Oh, my dearest Biggie, light one up for me, because I miss you. That's funny, this actually became kind of a stoner track, even though he nor myself really ever, you know, did, did that that often or anything by any means at all. Uh, it was never a huge part of our lives. It was just around in college. So sometimes you joined in, but, um, it's funny, this kind of the lyrics, like, I hope somewhere you're staying high light one up for me. Cause I miss you, but it also sounds nice. Like light one up for me, man. It's al- it's also like this. I don't know. It's like an, uh, pouring, pouring a whiskey bottle out on the ground. Like this one's for you. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I visited, New Orleans, I think it was about the time that we were recording this, a little before, a little after, and I played that song for him in his living room, really slowed down on the acoustic and sort of just spelled out the lyrics for him, and uh, he really liked it. And you can hear him, you can hear him talk on the song Lakeshore Drive as the song is crescendoing into its peak. Um, You can hear him talking about how There was this crazy coincidence. We had met through, um, I guess we met through Vivi, I think. And in the Big Lemoire world, we met like through this band. I was brought into the band as as the final and like outside party, like joining this group. Um, Because I could write songs, I could sing, and I also could play some guitar. So they brought me in as like to try and help make the sound work. And that's where I met Biggie. 
And the funny thing was at the time I was living uh, in like right on the cusp of Orleans Parish in Lake Show, in, in Lake on the lakefront uh, in New Orleans at Bruno Doria's house and Bruno's song. Well, we'll get to that later. Um, I was living with Bruno and his at the time girlfriend, Sarah, in this house. I was renting a room in their house. And one day I drove home from, from school or whatever, and I get in my driveway and I look over and two driveways over is Matt Bigelow. And we realized that he lives two houses down from me. And this is, by the way, this is one of those like, m- like many, like mini com- complex street. It's like you're on a main street where houses are all separated by yards and stuff, but then you turn onto like a small street and this is like house connected to house connected to ha- like they're, they're side by side. There is no gap. You know, there's like driveway, a little patch of grass driveway, you know, it's like right next to each other. And the private space you have is in the backyard. So that's where you don't, you know, there's like a fenced in backyard, but the front is really just like side to side to side. So, so when I say he's like two houses down, like he is so close to me, he's literally like three cars distance away from me. And it was so funny. And we laughed about it. And when I found out that he was my neighbor, then I just got obsessed with him. And that's what you hear him talking about in Lakeshore Drive is when he says, um, you know, he was in this long distance relationship so for so long with Pat's for like, you know, years. And he would always, he was always really reclusive and he always liked to stay inside in the dark, playing his video games. I mean, I get that. I really do. But like, I was obsessed with him. I thought he was the coolest person ever. And I did love and do love him. And I really wanted to spend more time with him. So I would always run over and knock on his door and say like, hey, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Bigelow, whatever, like, is Matt home? Or like, I would just be like, come outside, come outside, come outside. And sometimes he really didn't want to do it. He didn't want to get out of bed, but I made him do it. And then it was always a good time. So um, that's the story of that. And uh, yeah, I definitely still deeply miss Matt Bigelow. He's a really beautiful really beautiful soul. Uh, guys, I'm going to stop there. Um, I'll make a little note that we got through, uh, Tame Impala Nights. Um, for those who know me personally and listen to this, look, if you, if you find this a little egotistical or boring or anything at all, and you think I shouldn't do another episode about it, I trust you to let me know because I don't want to be doing anything stupid on this show. I just want to, I'm just talking from the heart. The, The album's on my mind right now. Um, came out over four years ago. It's crazy. So I just thought maybe it's time to talk about it. Um, guys, thank you so much. If you did enjoy today's episode, make sure to go give us a rating or a review or a comment or something on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. Go follow us the, in, the, in the show notes. There's the link to our YouTube and our uh, TikTok and Instagram. Go give us a follow. Just tell a friend about the show. Let's grow this artsy-fartsy family. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next week. Saints are coming through And it's all over now Baby Blue Artsy Farsi Immigrants Ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider Produziert für M94.5